Welcome. Lovely to see you again, Brian. So um, I know the last time we met and last time you were on a panel, which was a while ago, um, you had a startup mm -hmm. and had come out of BBVA. Mm -hmm. Do you want to talk a little bit about what happened with that? Uh, sure. That was Aslo, which is part of the BBVA um, corporate venture portfolio and okay. still doing quite well. That's, I think, the fastest growing challenger bank in the micro business space in the U.S. Wow. Congratulations. So doing quite well. Um, and very proud of actually what we were able to build there. Yeah. And so now you've got SafeCorp technology. Yep. SafeCorp's uh, its holding company name. It's not actually the brand of the product, as you might imagine. Yes, you did tell me that. So it's uh, it's still, I wouldn't call it self, but, you know, stealth, but not uh, not publicly available yet. Okay. So we're still building the platform. We think there's an opportunity to do something a little more fundamental on the financial product side. Okay. Uh, under some of what is currently the digital user experience innovation that's happening in the space. So is it a white label sort of product? Uh, it's not a B2B product. Okay. It will be a direct-to-consumer product, okay. uh, but a little bit more vertically integrated to the to the financial core, so okay. a little, little closer to the rails. And so what's your overview of what's happening with the challenger banks now uh, as regards the incumbents? Um, well, there's... Certainly more of them, yes. right, as far as challengers go. Since I saw you yeah. last, definitely. Yeah. I think they're starting to nibble at the heels of the incumbents a little more seriously, and they're okay. certainly, I'm sure, paying attention to that. Right. I think the challenge so far for the challengers, no pun intended, is that they've <laughs> been you know, relegated to a, a fairly specific customer segment, right? The younger, okay. kind of simpler financial life, which is certainly the end up and coming segment that the traditional financial institutions need to get a hold of, yes, right? And yes. that's going to be the next set of customers as they come up. But yeah. the challenges have had less success breaking into the more traditional bank customer, the, right. the head of household, the family, the, the primary bank relationship as it exists in a more traditional sense. Right. So I think that's where still most of the relationships and certainly most of the revenue dollars are as far right. as financial services is concerned right. and probably where a lot of the opportunity still lies. Great. And um, as far as the future goes, what's your personal vision of where all this is going? Um, it's going to start to get real now, right? As with most technologies, it takes a few years to kind of mature and become meaningful enough and stout enough to withstand some of, of what I think is happening. Yes. I think the, the traditional players will, will start to have to pay attention, particularly in some niche areas where they've essentially ignored some specific segments. Yes. I think the big variable is going to be the macroeconomic environment. Uh, obviously, some of the big players are better funded and better better healed to weather a storm. Okay. And I think that's where a lot of the shakeout will probably start to happen in the challenger bank space as well. Okay. Uh, that being said, um, you know some of the traditional players may not survive one of those quite as well as they used to either because mm. there's... You think the government won't bail them out again? <laughs> probably me. not as willingly, right? I mean, uh, <laughs> potentially in, in an extreme scenario, but I don't think it's going to be... A, I don't think it would be the same situation uh, as it was. Of course. But I also think the appetite for it or even the competency to do it in short order might be in question this time. Yes, definitely. Um, that said, there are probably still too many banks, right? You probably don't need five or 6,000 of them to serve customers. And as is shown now by some of the digital first and digital only players, you can do a fairly good job without the physical infrastructure if you know what you're doing. And I know in Ireland, um, I was in Ireland when the crash happened, mm -hmm. um, I had a business there and uh, all the Irish banks went down and the government propped them up, of mm -hmm. course, like it did in a lot of Western countries. And then the whole country had to take pay cuts. Mm. 
which I just think was devastating that everyone had to suffer and the banks were propped up. So um, uh, I've had an Irish VC say her piece about that on a video interview I did and we've had so many hits on that. You know, she yeah. said no one could make as much a mess as the Irish banks did. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, I think really it's in when I was young, you know, many years moons ago, you would look at the banks as sort of, institutions that would never fade but I think now there's definitely a sense that they can be replaced by better products. Do you think that's the case? I mean banks will always have a place right I think as the financial backstop more broadly for the economy you're going to need official banks and central banks and uh, managers of currency and monetary policy whether or not you need tens of thousands of commercial banks <laughs> all paying tens of thousands of employees to deliver things through aging and expensive physical infrastructure? Yes. Probably not. Yeah. Uh, and that, that's the case in the U.S., right? That's correct. Yeah. Um, and so I think there's certainly an opportunity there to be more efficient. I don't think banks are going away. I think like most like most industries, they probably will benefit from a bit of a shock. Yeah. Uh, I don't think they've really had that shock yet, though. I don't think the challenger okay. banks have really taken a bite out of the core customer and or impacted the core business of the financial institutions, the traditional financial institutions, as much as they they can and probably eventually will, will here. Yeah. Um, so I think the, the game is starting actually to get played now that some of them have reached some scale. Uh, yeah, this year definitely seems to be the year of the challenger banks, I would say. Yeah, and I think it's a healthy thing, right? Yeah, I think not, yeah, not all of definitely. them will survive, but yeah. I think it's an existence proof in the market that there certainly is a market. I think profitability yeah. will be another metric to pay attention to, like yeah. who can who can survive and actually make money doing this. And really tonight I just learned for the first time that the U.S. has got unbanked. Uh, people, which just is amazing to me, uh, and that there's banking deserts uh, where banks are closing down. and uh, Branches are certainly going away, right? Yeah. And so I think the receptivity to digital first banking is uh, as high as it's ever been. Great. You still have to have a credible offer. Yeah. You still have to do everything that a bank yeah. can do for you, and most of the existing offerings don't. They focus on a narrow niche, which is important Gosh. to get out the door and prove tra traction, but few of them are viable whole part replacements for... Yeah. For, for your existing primary bank relationship. Um, and even more, I think, of an opportunity than the unbanked in the U.S. is people that are banked but not well. Yes. Right? So the, the middle class, for example. Most is, of us. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, people that essentially, you know, went to school, got a degree, have a good job, are the household breadwinner or breadwinners and still are essentially feeling like they live paycheck to paycheck. And bank's not helping them out a whole lot. Wow. They're not doing a whole lot extra for them. They're happy to charge you a fee here and there and, you know, not really there when you need the credit. And I think yeah. that that's really where the opportunity is, yeah. is to do more for the average person, right? right. Um, uh, and you, there are opportunities for sure in the underbanked and or subprime market. There are inefficiencies there. Uh, you know, the super prime wealthy customers are overbanked by all measures. Yes. And somewhere in the middle, you've got like normal people. Yes. who aren't really particularly well served yes. and I don't think yet have a viable alternative to your traditional bank account from your brick-and-mortar bank. So I think there is, the game has yet to be played, but I think it's starting to get more interesting. Fantastic. Well, I'm looking forward to the panel and thanks yeah. again for coming. You bet. Thanks okay. for having me. <laughs>
Welcome, John. Lovely to see you again. Good and to see you you're too, in man. a whole different company. Yes, That's indeed. So, cool. so I am. I'm really excited to be part of Varro. <laughs> and Varro, oh my goodness, they're really doing incredible things as the Challenger Bank. Do you want to tell me a little bit about what you guys do? Sure. I mean, a lot of what we do is we provide some pretty straightforward banking services. Uh, you know, a lot of our customers are folks who are underbanked or unbanked and, and uh you know, we're really helping address the problem that is left behind by these banking deserts. I don't know if you've heard this term, but no. there's, uh, yeah, it's it's a real thing. There's a lot of parts of the country where traditional banks have been closing their branches, and often this is in kind of economically not as advanced or as, as, as rich kind of areas. And so this is a real problem where, you know, hardworking, everyday Americans are having trouble finding kind of basic banking services to meet their needs. Um, so, so it's, it's not just in Africa, it's here No, too. no, it's here too. Yeah, <gasps> it's really interesting. And, and uh, you know, and that's a terrible problem, but great happy to be, yeah, it's a great opportunity. Happy to be part of that solution. And yeah. I think one thing that's great about being part of Haro is even internally, the employees are really motivated by this mission of kind of helping our customers. And yeah. we have a lot of initiatives around that internally. So, so that's really exciting. So I think a lot of the basic products we offer are pretty standard banking products, but okay. we try to do it in a way that really meets the needs of these customers. So, um, you know, we announced a no fee overdraft where people can overdraft up to 50 bucks uh, without having any fees. Wow. You know, the average fee that I think across the country that banks charge is something like $35 for going for overdraft. So, um, you know, so that's something that, that we offer. Um, and, and so we're always trying to learn more about our customers, understand, like, how can we make these products better adapted to their needs? Fantastic. Um, so really great. Um, fantastic that you're doing this. And um, what do you, where do you think it's all going as, as regards the Challenger Banks? How is it going to change the face of how yeah. we bank? I mean, it's a great question. Uh, you know, a, a lot of, so in Varo, we've had an ambition kind of from the beginning to actually get a bank charter and become a bank ourselves. Okay. You know, there are some challenger banks. And right now we offer our banking services in partnership with Bancorp, which has been a great partner for us. Um, and, you know, a number of our you know, competitors or other folks in the space are likewise partnering with existing banks. So I think one of the questions, and I know it's something that'll come up on the panel, is like, where is this going? Is bank charter sort of the inevitable uh, endpoint? Um, I think for us, it has always been the end point. Um, okay. And so that's kind of one path that I think challenger banks can go. Okay. Um, the interesting thing is at that point, then we have to answer the question, what makes us different from a, from a traditional bank? And I think there we've got a lot of advantages, like we don't have the branch infrastructure. And so from a cost structure perspective, we have an advantage there. Um, we don't have kind of the weight of decades of legacy systems that we have to kind of keep maintaining and so on. So we've got some advantage there so we can move a little faster uh, in technology. And I think we try to bring a kind of more of a tech company uh, customer focus to what we do, right? And so uh, really try to work directly with consumers and understand their needs and try to iterate quickly and make products that meet their needs. So I think that's something that we hope as a fintech we can bring to the, to the banking world. And um, so what do you, how do you think this is going to change um, banking in, on the big, bigger scale? Because um, obviously <laughs> a lot of the banks have, leave a lot to be desired. Yeah. They may basically make you adapt to their systems. That's possible. And obviously, in some ways, we do. You know, a lot of the banking systems and regulations are there for a reason. Yes. And we, we, we work directly with regulators and making sure we do all the right things. Yes. Um, but at the same time, when we see efficiencies, <coughs> we can cut around that. You know, a okay. lot of banks do things the way they do because they have a lot of heavy infrastructure that they need to support. And so the fees they charge, they do it so that, so that they can keep their business running. Okay. If we don't have those same costs, then we don't have to adopt those practices. And then we'll be able to take some of those savings and share that with our customers in the form of 
of not charging them <coughs> or what have you. Sorry, yeah. So that's, I think, a thing that we don't have to adopt from the traditional banking world. Got it. So you um, have a freedom there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously the, the banks get some benefit of proximity to the customer if they have a branch. But again, we're finding there's a, a huge swath of Americans who aren't well served just because of these banking deserts that have popped up. Right. Um, and so, you know, if we're able to serve them, then I think that's a real advantage we can bring to them that they're not getting from the, from the yeah. traditional banks. Yeah. So I think in some ways that makes us complementary to, to banks. Um, at the same time, one thing that's always fun about fintech is the old uh, imitation is just the sincerest form of flattery, right? Yes. Um, <laughs> if we have good ideas, they'll probably get copied. And, yeah, you know, yeah. and certainly we've done things that have taken other people's ideas, too. There's a, it's all fair. Interesting. Um, and, uh, and, and so, like, we may see banks adopting some of what we do. And yes. certainly we've gotten, been inspired by what other companies yes. do. And so, yes. like, if that actually improves all of us and makes it more competitive for the consumer and they have better choices, then yeah. in the end, that's good for everybody. And I know I was just talking to Alex, and he's invested in Chan um, as well. And, mm -hmm. But he he said that you guys are getting huge sign up rates. Is that right? Yeah. So we're, we've been doing really well. I know uh, our CEO Colin uh, mentioned publicly that we had recently hit like a million uh, customers. Uh, signing up yeah. so yeah it's it's really exciting and, and we are starting to see that hockey stick which is exciting and scary all at once um it's a, it's a big responsibility that we take on yeah. um but yeah i think there was another statistic that colin was saying that something like there was a study showing that something like 44 million americans were considering changing banks within the next 12 months so <gasps> wow. so it's not so part of it is like hey people are really flocking to us because of the value that we provide but also there seems to be a moment now you yes. know there have been other folks who've been trying to tried to be challenger banks simple had some great stuff going on yes. but we think kind of they may have been a little early yes. uh, through no fault of their own yes. um, but i think there really seems to be a moment now where you know, sadly, banks may be abandoning some of the branches in some areas, but that creates this opportunity to actually serve customers in a way yeah. that hopefully gives them more value yeah, than they would have yeah. gotten anyway. And um, in, in different ways than how the incumbents have been doing it. And I think yeah. that's the really key point, really. Totally. Fabulous. Um, I'm really looking forward to the panel. And thanks again for coming. No problem. Thank <laughs> okay. you, panel. Welcome, Alex. Lovely to see you again. Likewise. Um, it's been you. a while. And um, I'm really interested because you've been investing in challenger banks. So I'm wondering what your perspective is on the challenger banks. Yeah, I think challenger, challenger banks is a really interesting time and a fascinating subject. One, maybe some context about why I think it's interesting. Right. Um, globally, there's about 2 billion people that are unbanked, probably about the same that are underbanked. It's a massive challenge. And yet, it isn't because banks don't want to serve customers. They haven't figured out an affordable way to serve them across a range of financial products and services. Um, they operate with antiquated infrastructure, a physical branch network, and now there's a, a range of technologies that allow us to, uh, to leapfrog that, that set. The last 15 years have seen the rise of FinTech, and that's been the story of unbundling the bank. So individual financial products and services like lending or remittances or payments have, have seen scaled companies really succeed. In the U.S., there's over 1,500 Series A-funded fintech businesses, which is astounding. Wow. And when you think about it from a consumer lens, it's actually not a particularly consumer-friendly uh, outcome, despite the fact that every individual product is. Yeah. And so one of the things that I'm really interested in is, well, how do you actually take those two things together? Right. So look, in this age where we're finding new ways to serve customers much more affordably in a much better way through fintech, how do we actually rebundle that experience and actually bring it together in a more holistic way. And in many ways, Challenger Banks is taking FinTech to the point that's closest to the paycheck, that's the day-to-day -day checking account, that's where 
people are managing their loans or managing their insurance or managing their paycheck or managing their futures. Um, and that's what essentially digital banks, and one of the things that I think is really interesting about them is that they are rebundling the financial product and services around the consumer at the point that is closest to their money. And then from there, we could start doing some really interesting things around offering a range of other financial products and services from there. And how do you think the incumbent banks feel about all the challenger banks that are starting to pop up, and particularly this year, I've noticed? You know, it's a, it's a fascinating time right now. Yes. <laughs> um, incumbent banks are facing a little bit of a crunch in a couple of different directions. Okay. Um, but certainly the, the, the challengers are starting to rise. Um, Chime Bank, one of our portfolio companies, which will be here later yes. today, is opening more bank accounts every month than many of... Uh, the incumbents, uh, and, and so they're they're actually managing to scale and do it, but also doing it with a cost infrastructure that's uh, much more affordable, but also doing it in this kind of Web 2.0 way. Right. Um, and so I, I do think they're nervous. At the same time, a, a lot of non-traditional financial products, uh, finan- non-traditional companies are starting to offer and think about financial products and services. Think Apple with its credit card and uh, et cetera. Um, so I, I, I think I, I think they're nervous, but I actually think it's also an impetus um, to revisit and rethink um, the consumer experience. Um, yes. Banks have a lot of incredible assets um, that they can leverage, including um, a trove of customer relationships, yes. um, a lot of information on how to serve them, and really an experienced talent force that can do that. So I, I think a lot of them are thinking about how to, how to revisit. So it's sort of prompting change even in the incumbents, you think? And what's your personal vision of where this is going with the challenger banks? So I'm extremely bullish. Maybe three thoughts about where this might go. Okay. One is I think existing challenger banks are going to continue to scale, um, not just their customer base, but actually their uh, product offering. They'll do it in some cases directly um, and offer products to their customers where they're very well suited to, but also indirectly by creating an ecosystem uh, and including other fintechs or other leading financial products and service providers into their ecosystem. I think, uh, second, we're seeing a bunch of fintechs outside of the challenger banks starting to add on checking accounts. And so this border between what is a challenger bank, what is a lender, what is a wealth manager is starting to blur a little bit. I've noticed that this year. Yeah. (laughs) And I think we're going to see more of that. Great. And the third that I think is really interesting is this horizontalization of fintech that we're seeing in the sector, which, you know, there are companies that are allowing others to build bank accounts or other financial products and services on top of their infrastructure. Right. And so any brand or any consumer company will be able to become also a financial product and service provider by partnering with one of these companies. Um, and I think we'll start seeing a little bit more of that as right. well. So it's going to become an interesting space. I think that the ones that are going to be able to offer an incredible value proposition to their customers, be able to really um, fill needs uh, and provide insights in real time and then kind of build an ecosystem um, are going to succeed and be able to scale and, and really break out. And from what I've heard from some of the challenger banks, that they are very creative. And um, I myself, being an entrepreneur, I've created my our own business models and yeah. um, a lot of them match the same, you know, like being paid in advance instead yeah. of after the fact 30 days or whatever. I mean... People have got to survive and it just makes sense. So I'm really, really behind them. I think it's great and I appreciate that you're investing in them. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm, I'm uh, excited to, for the discussion today with a couple yes. of those uh, leading uh, leading innovators as well. Yes, I think it's going to be a great panel. Thank, awesome. you, so Thank much, you so much, Alex. Okay. Okay. 
Great to see you again, Alex. Thanks so much for coming. I think it's going to be a great panel. Um, could you tell me a little bit about what's happening at Chime? I hear really big things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so as you may know, Chime is the largest U.S. challenger bank. Uh, we're the fastest growing right now in the country. Um, things are going really well. Uh, we've found a, a really great product that our, our customers, our members really love. Fantastic. And um, what do you think distinguishes you from the incumbents? Incumbents, um, the, the really big innovative thing here is the business model. The underlying business model is, is pretty critical to why we're able to create products that really support and help our members. Traditional banks have found that fees are the way they want to monetize their members or their customers. And, uh, uh, you know, the average American pays $250 a year in, in bank fees. Chime, we've done away with that. It's easy to use. It's completely fee-free. Um, we have a large... 40,000 ATM network, so when they need cash, they can get cash easily for free. Um, so I think it's being able to provide these simple-to-use, easy-to-understand financial products like a banking, checking account, savings account, free overdraft without fees, uh, our members really seem to appreciate that. Fantastic. And so where do you think things are going? Um, do you think you'll knock out a lot of the challenge, the um, incumbent banks? <laughs> well, there's a, they're incumbents and they've been ingrained for, you know, 100-plus years now. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of places to go. Uh, we, we just really pride ourselves in listening to our members and doing a lot of user research, both our current members, potential other members, that we haven't captured yet or haven't acquired yet. Captured, captured is the wrong word. Um, Slip of the tongue. Um, uh, and we like to really make sure that we're building products that are both aligned from a business sustainability perspective that we can support them yes. and build products that help them. I mean, at, at Chime, our, our mission is to provide financial peace of mind for our members because they're not stressed about their finances. They have access to the funds that they need um, and that they're able to uh, you know, live their lives without having to worry about money. Right. And we try to build financial products that support that. And we really do live and breathe that every day. We think about like, how is this going to benefit our members? And is it something sustainable we can do as a business? And are you focusing on the unbanked as well? I've um, just heard how many unbanked there are in the US. So I mean, you can call them unbanked or underbanked. I mean, yeah. it's it, it kind of, there's, it's all these people that have found that traditional banking systems and tr traditional banking companies in the US have not served their needs or have charged them fees that they simply can't afford. So they are moving away from them or finding alternatives because they've been taken advantage of, they've lost trust with these large institutions. So yeah, we are looking to uh, mm. support these members and um, provide financial products that do help them. I know I opened a new business bank account earlier this year um, with Jace. And oh yeah? Um, the first check that went in there, they stopped, they put a hold on my whole account. And you know, we had to, I had to go to the bank, we had to call the client, he had to like, he had a Chase account too. And I just was like stunned. And they said, oh, it's just, we do this just generally if you've got a new account. And I'm like, really? <laughs> you know, it doesn't really impress me actually, or the client, you know, because he was hassled on the phone. Yeah, absolutely. I think transparency, ease of use and making sure everything's very clear in terms of like where your money is, where you stand is really important to, uh, to our members and to many Americans who... Also just being treated as if you're a value rather than we can do whatever we like because we've been doing this all Absolutely. Absolutely. So I wish you the best. I think it's fantastic that this is happening and changing the face of banking. Great. Thank <laughs> Thanks you. again, Alex. Okay.